Hey, I'm Taylor Dorson, and this is the Professional Technical Interviewee. Technical interviews are hard, and every company does them differently. On this show, I interview engineering leaders to see what they look for in technical candidates, and then they perform a real technical interview with me. I hope you enjoy. Probably the type of interview I think I am the worst at because I'm <laughs> relatively early in my career, and I feel like, give me an algorithm problem. All right, like that, I know I have to prepare for, so I, I prepare for those. Um, these types of like explain to me like how you would build this thing usually i'm like uh it would be a process right and then like figuring out how deep that knowledge is is kind of questionable sometimes so i'm always i'm happy to do this because i feel like this is the worst type of interview i'm the worst at but i i uh always make that disclaimer plenty of room for for improvement and learning it's all good i won't go too hard on on you cool great uh then let's get back into it tyson welcome back Thanks for having me. Yeah, great. Well, the ball's in your court now. Um, take me through the the interview process. Uh, maybe if you want to set it up or maybe um, intro kind of this is what you typically would do or a modified version or something like that. Absolutely. So what we'll do today is we'll go through what I think of as the typical first interview process that I instituted at companies like Inspire 11, Lambda, and AutoCloud. And rather than starting off with an algorithm or data structure or smothered question involving writing code, I think it's really important to get an overall sense of where somebody is in their career and if they're going to be a good alignment with the position that they're seeking to be hired for and that you have. And in order to do that, yes, you can do your typical interview process, but I think it's much more interesting and efficient to just have a conversation with the candidate about how they how their mind works, what they know, what they don't know. I think that you can get a lot deeper insight into their level of abilities if you just have a conversation, right? It's nothing formal. I'm on my screen on my side, I have a handful of questions that I could ask, so I got that prepared. But what I typically like to do is I just like to start off and I say, you know, welcome, so happy to have you here. Um, it's okay if you're nervous. You know, I was nervous when I was interviewing too, so don't feel too bad. If you ever have any questions about anything or you want to go a little bit slower or faster, let me know and we can make that accommodation. But today, I would love to start off with just understanding who you are um, from a tech perspective. And typically, how we do that at AutoCloud is we want to assess and understand where you feel strongest as a developer. At AutoCloud, we have basically a full stack TypeScript stack. So if you know TypeScript or JavaScript, you can work on anything from the front end to the back end. And speaking of front end and back end, how how we typically kick these interviews off is we just ask folks on a scale of one to 10, 10 being you're an absolute expert, one being you have absolutely no clue. How do you feel when it comes to front end development, back end development, and more DevOpsy things like Terraform or AWS Azure and GCP and Kubernetes. So let's run through those areas really quick just to help me baseline and understand where you feel you're at. Starting with the front end, where do you feel? One to 10. Uh, I put myself, I don't know. It's certainly the area I'm the most comfortable in, but probably like a... three, four, five, somewhere in there, based on kind of the comparison of, of 
who I'm being compared to, right? But that's where I would feel the most comfortable is in the front where I've done the most work as well. Okay, fantastic. So would you say on the front end, your skills are kind of beginner to mid-level? Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, fair assessment. Okay, awesome. Talk to me about the back end then, whether that's Node or Python or Ruby or whatever language that you you happen to have worked with. On a scale of one to 10, where do you feel your experience lies when it comes to backend development, interfacing with databases, making RESTful or GraphQL endpoints, authentication, et cetera? Yeah, a little lower. Um, I do, I've done a decent amount of work in, in Rails on the backend um, and a moderate amount of work with, with Node on the back, and that's what I'm using now. Um, so I don't know, probably... Uh, three, four, somewhere in there. Um, probably more comfortable if it's actually Ruby or Rails. Than, okay, than if fantastic. I'll have to pull up my uh, old Rails knowledge from the depths of my brain. Um, and then lastly, what does the experience look like with actual platform? So do you have experience with AWS, Azure, Kubernetes, GCP, experience with Terraform or CloudFormation? Um, have you spun things up in the AWS console or other provider consoles before? What does that look like one to 10? I put myself at a 0. 0.5. Uh, I, have an, <laughs> I have our AWS password, which I probably shouldn't. You know, that, that's about Ooh. it. Yeah. Dangerous. I yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Get, get, get push Heroku master it is then. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that's a, that's a good indication of kind of where to focus the interview today. So we'll stay away from design of large-scale distributed systems on kind of the, the cloud side of things and focus more on application development with the front end and then later the back end. So tell me a little bit about your front end experience. What do you use? What have you used? What are you interested in using? What does that look like? Yeah, I've done mostly um, kind of vanilla JavaScript and then HTML, CSS work. Um, I've used a little bit of Vue. I use a tiny amount of React, um, but primarily it's been uh, vanilla JavaScript. And we, we're using a little bit of Next right now. That's what we're actually kind of moving our, our platform into, uh, but that's more for the, the full stack side of things. So it's... it's um, Mostly though, like what I feel most comfortable with is like you give me a task where I'm like, hey, build this web page, right? And it's it's going to be primarily building HTML, CSS, um, kind of layout design type of stuff, and then whatever JavaScript we need to kind of power that page, right? Like that's where I feel most comfortable. Absolutely makes sense. And then I guess a little bit of meta commentary on this interview. As an interviewer, based on the questions that I've just asked on front end, back end, and DevOps, and the answer that you've just given me. What I would do is I'd be thinking, depending on the role, if it was like a junior, mid-level or senior, if we were looking for a senior developer right away, I would know that, hey, honestly, it's probably not a great fit right now just because we're going to need a lot of autonomy and a lot more experience with specific technologies. If the position was more junior or mid-level, perfect, awesome. Let's have the conversation. Let's go. So even just by having this conversation like we've done so far, I can already tell, you know, depending on the role if we should continue the conversation further or not. I'm usually, you know, you gotta be respectful. So if the interview's booked for half an hour, you use up half an hour, always be kind to the candidates because they're just people doing their best jobs too. Uh, even if you're a busy manager and you have a lot of stuff going on. So let's pretend that we have kind of a, a junior or more mid-level position. So I'd say, great, all right. 
So it sounds like you have a good amount of experience with vanilla JavaScript, those frameworks that you've mentioned, CSS, HTML, et cetera. Um, how strong do you feel in JavaScript? Uh, it depends on the day. Um, I feel relatively comfortable. I mean, that's where, that's where I'm probably going to be most comfortable apart from just again, HTML, CSS work, which like I, that's where I feel probably the most comfortable with JavaScript. Um, I rarely come into something where I'm not going to be able to have any idea how to make progress or, or have some type of solution, right? Like I usually am going to at least be able to have some stepping stone or be able to search my way or, or Google my way through figuring out, okay, this is what I need to do with it. Right. Makes sense. I absolutely love your answer. It depends on the day, especially because we're talking about JavaScript. My opinion of JavaScript changes day to day as well. <laughs> um, well, okay, cool. So it sounds like you do have, you know, a good amount of experience and you're able to, to build and figure things out. So what I'd love to do is just talk a little bit about JavaScript to just get a, a, a more deep understanding of various concepts and proficiency of those concepts in JavaScript. And then we can talk about HTML and CSS as well. Sound good? Yeah. Perfect. All right. So tell me about the prototypical inheritance chain in JavaScript. How does it work? Um, any information or knowledge that you have on prototypical inheritance? Ooh, prototypical inheritance. Um, this is class or object-based, right? Where you can assign, um, you can give certain... I believe we're talking about objects, objects, um, properties, and those can be inherited down through if we're going to spin up a new, um, a new kind of I'm trying to think of the right terminology piece of that object or a new instance of that object. Is that in the realm of what we're talking about? It's, it's in the realm. Yeah. I guess but let, let's clear something up. You said, you said class, what is a class in JavaScript? Um, I guess I'm thinking more of objects um, where mm, you can okay. you define an object and then create new instances of that object. Okay, fair enough. Um, so I guess just tell me, I guess a little bit about what is what is a prototype then in JavaScript? Um, when we modify a prototype, what will that necessarily do? And it's okay mm -hmm. if, uh, with with any of these questions. If you don't know, you're fumbling. Just let me know, and we can we can move on to other stuff. Yeah, I don't. I don't know exactly. I it, again, what I'm thinking is I can create um, kind of instances of an object, right, and then be able to uh, modify it in certain ways, and then you know pass that information somewhere else, right? So maybe I'm I'm I've got a user object or something like that. I can change a username, right, and then be able to pass that to our database, so then we could um, update that that information, right? Um, that's okay. what I'm thinking of, but I don't know if I'm even in the right right path or not. Fair enough. It's all good. Um, yeah, and I'll give my meta commentary as on the interview as I'm going. So, you know, and again, this is this is if we're looking for a more junior mid-level position, totally fine that you're not you weren't able to give uh, like a super solid answer on like what a prototype is how the prototypical relationship is dynamic and new properties added to the prototype will then be immediately visible in all objects that are based on the prototype. Just getting that out really succinctly would be a good sign for like a senior engineer, but totally fine if you know, you're talking around the concept, have the ideas, but don't have it all full there just yet, but pretty, pretty close. So I wouldn't hold that against you necessarily. Um, so then I probably wouldn't dive into further questions about that technical aspect of JavaScript, 
I would then change gears and we can talk about things like, tell me the difference between call and apply in JavaScript. I don't know if I know. Um... So basically, and then what I'll tip, what I'll try and do is if folks don't know, I'll just tell them the answers. They don't feel bad. Um, But I, you know, with call, essentially we're passing in each argument manually. And with apply, Mm -hmm. you can just pass an array of arguments. That's that's essentially the difference there. These Um, are functions we could call on. Exactly. So you can do dot call or dot apply on on any JavaScript uh, object. Um, Got it. So basically, that would give me a good sense of just okay, you know, a little bit of uh, a red flag there for a senior engineer if they didn't know that. For somebody that's more junior, that's okay. Um, talk to me about a closure in JavaScript. What is a closure? Why are closures important? How do we use them? Yeah, our. Uh, we're talking about is that the same idea as like catching um errors or are we talking about um it's not, no. okay uh then maybe i i also don't know uh, apart from closing you know whatever our our function might be with, with brackets right that's but I, I don't think that's what we're talking about either it's not now so yeah. a closure is a function that holds on to the free variables of another function, even when that function goes out of scope. So if you have an outer function and then you have an inner uh, function that increments a value property that's set on the outer function, even after you initialize the outer function, you can still invoke the inner function to go and increment the free bar- variables of the outer function, even after the outer, vo- after the outer function has gone out of scope. So it's just a mechanism of encapsulation, essentially. That that makes sense to me. That that term or that that idea makes sense to me. I did not know that term for it. Fair enough, man. It's all good. Um, awesome. So basically, the meta commentary here would be: at this point, the knowledge of actual JavaScript itself isn't super strong. So if this was an actual JavaScript role, you know, no offense, but it probably wouldn't be a good fit. Yeah. Um, so. What I'd like to do is adjust my interviews dynamically. So we've had one, two, three, four JavaScript questions. I feel like that would have given a good understanding of the level of experience of the candidate. And if this were a really heavy JavaScript role, I'd probably just throw some balls out and be like, hey, so tell me about you know a project that you've worked on that you're really interested in or where you learn what programming emails you subscribe to. Um, in our case, let's keep going a little bit. And we can talk a little bit about CSS and HTML and some other stuff as well. In fact, let's talk about testing because that's something that I think is really important. So talk to me about testing. How do you test your code? What kinds of tests do you write? Why is testing important? Yeah, every company that I've, I've been in um, thus far like doesn't necessarily have a robust testing infrastructure or doesn't really do any test automation. I'm, I'm hitting you with a, a bunch of... Uh, uh, strikeouts here, Tyson. Um, most of my testing has been manual. I've, I've written some tests in the past. Um, I think the the manual testing is making sure that um, everything that I can possibly think of, right, that that someone would conceivably do with this actually is going to be checked beforehand and fixing that before we push it out, right? Uh-huh. Um, but I haven't worked at a, a place where we have kind of a robust test infrastructure. It's more um, deliver and fix uh, as needed, right? Which is, uh, depends on the startup, startup-y mindset. 
it's uh it's not exactly tbd but uh it'll yeah. get you to the next round of funding hopefully <laughs> yeah you can always test in the future one of the i think the two greatest lies told by companies are we test and we promote from within yeah um, yeah so the, yeah, the, no, that's, that's, that's good. Let's talk a little bit about CSS then. Since it sounds like you have a little bit more familiarity with CSS. So talk to me about the difference between relative, fixed, absolute, and static positioning. What are they? How do they work? Yeah, fixed, um, I believe it's going to be at the, the same place. Um, basically, you can set the, the parameters, maybe the height in the, the, the width, right, um, to make sure it's at the exact same spot on the page no matter what, right? Um, it could be confusing absolute with that, but I believe it's fixed. Basically, it's always going to be in the same spot. Um, relative is going to be relative to other things on that page, right, or, or other elements um, within that page. Um, in absolute, um, again, I may have it switched with, with fixed, but um, I don't... I don't know if I know exactly what, what that one does. Um, but I think most of the time I'm going to use relative to, to make sure it kind of, um, you know, is impacting the, the rest of the page or is, is interacting with the rest of the page to how I think it would. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Talk to me about how you would center a div horizontally on a page. What's the easiest way to do that? Horizontally. Um, usually I would use something like, like, um, flex box or maybe, um, so some type of um, function I would call. I could just kind of create medians or margins, right? Where where I'm kind of um, doing fifty percent margin or something like that. Um, I, that typically doesn't work terribly well as a page starts to get populated, right, with other things. Yeah, no, totally makes sense. Um, how would you do the same thing but center div vertically? Um, same idea. You could use the the height of the page right um and, and build something based off of that um we could also again if there's some type of flexbox solution for that right where you could instantly kind of set it to um always kind of be in the the center of the page okay makes sense do you guys use rem units are you familiar with what those are um it's just it's similar like using pixels or, or it's just a different property you can pass in right so the rem unit is relative to the root HTML elements. So that means that one rem unit is equivalent to say the font size of the root HTML element, which in most mm -hmm. browsers is just like 16 picks. Yeah. 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 Uh, we don't use those specifically. I think I've used them in the past, basically when I, it made sense to be like, Oh, this is the, probably the best way for us to, to do it on this page. Um, but I think it's more um, pixel based. It just depends. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so let's jump over to HTML, um, just because you said that you've, you have experience there too. And the meta commentary that I would have for the CSS stuff would be a little bit better than JavaScript. Um, obviously these are kind of, some are random and esoteric questions, but if I'm trying to scope a candidate to understand the overall level of expertise, this would put the candidate somewhere in kind of the junior-ish level. Um, mm -hmm. It's okay. It just means that you know there's there's more studying that would need to happen if this were a high level higher level position to have. Um, I'm also giving away all my interview secrets on this interview, but it's all good. So <laughs> that's the point, guess, right? <laughs> exactly. Watch this if you want a job at AutoCloud. Um, 
So let's talk about HTML for a second. And in fact, just the browser in, in general. Um, so when would you want to use something like document.write with, with HTML? I guess in JavaScript, but with, with HTML. Yeah, document.write. Um, that, I'm trying to remember, can we actually create, um, I, I'm, if we can actually create HTML elements with that, or if we're just writing two elements, so maybe we, we've already created a P tag or something like that, and we're using JavaScript to dynamically write in some type of um, data with document.write. I think typically it's used to add like a script tag to the page or something. In fact, in AutoCloud for one of our 3D environments, we actually use this funny enough to based on certain factors and timing, dynamically add scripts to the page just because there's no other great way to do it in certain contexts. So that's, that's typically when you would use that. Makes sense. Talk to me the, about the difference between the window versus the document. What are those two things and how are they different? Ooh, good question. Um, the document is the actual, basically, uh, virtual version of that, the, the page itself versus the window is the size of the screen, right? Um, so we could uh, sometimes adjusting certain things based off of the window size um, versus maybe the, the screen size. What, what comes to mind is um, if we're trying to, maybe we have some type of media rule to adjust certain CSS elements based off of if someone is using a smaller screen or a larger screen, right? Um, we, we could figure that out based off of the, the window size. Okay, fair enough. And then talk to me a little bit about the difference between cookies, session storage, local storage, how are they different? What are they? Yeah, uh, good question. Um, local storage is basically we could save something in the local storage, but if we're going to do a hard refresh, it's all going to disappear, right? Um, uh, cookies, I'm not an expert on, um, but I know it's easier to maybe store that in some way shape or form or you could you actually have to clear those uh and then session storage i think is basically if you were um if we're using some type of authentication basically someone logs in for a session right um then maybe we're only storing that data for that session or we're tracking basically what data is happening in or being exchanged during that session and then we could do something with that and maybe um i don't know if what that process would look like to, to save that information other than maybe pushing it to a, one of our databases and having that session storage um, saved long-term. Those are my- Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Base level understanding <laughs> of those things. It's all good, it's all good. I won't get into that explanation right now, um, but let's jump over. So I guess before we jump over a little bit to the back end. What tools and technologies are you using on the day-to-day? -day? Are you writing literal raw HTML and just raw CSS? Are you using various frameworks that you work with? Um, you know, what does that look like for the work that you're currently doing to help me get a better understanding of experience with tools and technologies? Yeah, right now it's um, raw HTML and CSS and some vanilla JavaScript. And then um, we use Gulp currently. So there's some interesting gulp stuff that we do that i i touch on here and there um and yeah that's it 
for the most part, um, there's a couple other things we, we use from time to time. Um, there's a little bit of bootstrap stuff too that, that we're using just to generate pages. Okay, cool. That gives me a good understanding. All right, let's do a quick pause there. So I'll give you kind of just my evaluation of like overall front end and my just off the cuff thoughts. I'll just, I'll be honest for the sake of this. Yeah, yeah. This is a, a podcast about interviewing and how to get better at it. And then if we have time or if you have the desire, we can hop over to the back end a little bit and talk a little bit more there. So from a front end perspective, um, if I were, you know, this based on the, the answers that I got and kind of the questions that were asked, I would consider the candidate a pretty junior candidate in that while they might have experience on the day-to-day and be able to figure out things and build new pages and build new components and facets of a site, the overall lack of knowledge and concepts when it came to some of the JavaScript stuff, some of the HTML and the CSS stuff, what would be kind of a red flag in my mind in that the candidate either hasn't been in the field long enough to experiment with and become familiar with all these nuances of front-end development, um, or you know maybe they haven't put in necessarily the time to to go and learn these things. Not not and again, this is just like a bunch of random stuff that I've thrown at you. So you know I know that you know you're beginning your journey and you're learning, but what this would mean to me is in a consulting world, which is what I come from, or a product world, which is what I'm entering into now, this would be an engineer that we'd probably bring on at a little later stage of the company. Mm-hmm. Typically, it's hard to just get somebody up and running in kind of more complex systems and environments and have them contribute in a standalone fashion, meaning you're having to do a lot of handholding, a ton of PR review, a ton of mentoring. Those are all great things, but there's a certain size and scale of company where that can be most successful. When you have, you know, over four or 500 employees, you have a few dozen people on engineering teams, it can be a really good place for those more junior and mid-level engineers to come in and experience growth and improve their um, their skills overall. So if this were, you know, a position for AutoCloud, we're only hiring pretty senior folks or something for Inspire 11 or Slalom or Lambda, it would probably be a pass in the front end portion of the interview, simply because, there just didn't seem to be enough enough knowledge there. Um, totally, again, hit or miss, a lot of random esoteric questions, but I feel like that's a good indication. So from a hiring manager perspective, my thought process would be, okay, this person you know, probably ha- is, a, is very curious. They're a tenacious learner. They're somebody that's willing to work hard. If I did have that role where we'd be able to have you slot in as part of a larger team and be mentored and... Uh, and learn, then it could be a good fit. If we were to move forward with the higher base, the front end portion of the interview, I would give homework as well. I'd be like, great. So here's the areas where you did well in the interview. Here's where you didn't do well. Here's my challenge to you. Go take a front end master's class on JavaScript and understand the really base fundamentals of the language in terms of how everything works and inheritance and prototype and you know the event loop and concurrency pattern and single threadedness and all that fun stuff that might be good to learn and understand. Likewise for HTML and CSS, there's a lot of learning experience there. But based on the limited time and talking that we've had together, depending on the role, it would probably be a pass for something more mid-level to senior and a thumbs up for something that might be a little bit more junior. That's kind of how my thought process would work as a hiring manager. Yeah. That's great. Um, I, I think I 
upfront about the fact that I don't think I do well in these interviews. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, they're so they're uh, super hard too. I mean, it's just it's like you're not gonna know what I'm gonna ask. It's it's really challenging. Yeah. And it's it's very interesting to me too when sometimes I'm like, oh, I have an idea of how I would do that. Like you asked about um using absolute versus fixed and mm -hmm. um and what was the other relative? I was like, oh, I use those regulars. Like, do I actually know though why I would use one versus the other? And I was like, oh, not really. I was like, I guess that's something I should think more about, right? Um, so even the ones where I'm like, I feel like I have an idea of what this does. Like, do I actually know how to verbalize that well? I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I think that's part of the the part of the whole goal of the the podcast and this process is like recognizing, okay, well, there's a thing I'm not necessarily strong with so let me figure out if i want to get better at that or invest time in that or um you know what is the best resource to do that right so those are the types of things that i think is the whole goal of the show and show that this is i think a regular part of interview where you go oh there's a weakness right like can we figure this out yeah exactly and to your point it's all just knowledge based i think that you know it's so interesting to think about the interviewing world in general, because it's completely a hundred percent. It's 180 degrees different than what we do on the day to day mm -hmm. on the day to day. You you're, you're probably an excellent developer. You can write, you know, all the code you need to your code is hopefully very bug free and you should be testing, yeah. but you know, <laughs> nonetheless, you're able to do all of these things, not really think about them on a too deep level or, or I guess in too much depth. But when it comes to interviewing, the point of the interview is really, at least from my perspective, is peel back the layers of the onion in order to really understand the fundamental DNA of the technical chops of the individual. So does this person really have a deep understanding of core JavaScript concepts? If this is just a vanilla JavaScript role, that's going to be really important because, you know, we think of concepts like immutability and state management and all of the awful bugs that can come from not doing JavaScript in a more functional sense, um, right? That's gonna have a direct impact on the day-to-day. -day. And it might be something sneaky that sneaks by because somebody doesn't catch it and might be problematic later on. So I guess depending on you know, the, the frameworks, the languages, the technologies that, we're, that people are hiring for and the level of understanding of the base of those concepts from just a, a language or framework perspective, it can be really useful to ask questions like this to just get a base understanding of how, what you know, how it works, how it all comes together. The same would be true if we talked about React or Vue, would be true if we talked about Ruby or Active Record or Python or Django or whatever. So mm -hmm. we really like this as a first step in the process because typically what it does is just gives us a good understanding of overall, where does this person fit in? have they been working with the technologies long enough to either have learned this by accumulation or curious enough to really go and be the self-starter to figure out these things on their own? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Do you have suggestions for folks? So, so, so say I want to go learn like maybe some of the more fundamental knowledge or um, I don't know. Like I feel like I have some functional knowledge that I don't have the, the ability to, talk thoroughly about right because i don't actually necessarily understand that the fun like the core concepts but i can use them right i can use the technology do you have any resources or kind of areas you suggest people um kind of pick up or learn absolutely so i'll give you three resources the first is i would just depending on what you're interviewing for 
maybe you're, it's Rust or Go or JavaScript, right? Start with the interview questions, Rust interview questions, JavaScript interview questions. Take a week, go through, read all the results in the first two pages of Google or whatever you know search engine you happen to be using and start making an Excel file and take the question, write it down, and then type out your answer to it. Actually type it out yourself. Then create flashcards with the questions and have your partner or your friend or somebody just grill you on these questions. Make sure you really understand the concepts and that you're able to dive deep. And a lot of times when you, when you find a question, there might be something that you don't know that makes you ask another question. So you have to go down a rabbit hole figuring that out first. But I think that that's really important to have that good base level of understanding about whatever you happen to be using before you move on to the second steps. Um, in my mind, the second step there would be taking a look at and purchasing or renting a book on, you know, say JavaScript, the good parts. If we're, if we're looking at JavaScript, it's a tiny book. It, it's pretty outdated at this point. I haven't read it in like 10 years, but it talks a lot about the fundamentals of how JavaScript works. There's books on design patterns in Node that get really deep into Node and the event loop and concurrency model and reactor pattern and all of that fun stuff. And that level of technical knowledge, if you're able to read those resources, is really going to impress an interviewer. If somebody came to me and they were able to describe the inner workings of Node in great detail, that would be a huge plus. But wow, this person is really experienced, really knowledgeable. Um, they're going to do great if they understand how this stuff actually works. It's going to make a big impact on their actual day-to-day. -day. So beyond that, there's plenty of courses. Um, one of my engineers is going to take the day off one day in December and do a front-end master's course. I can't remember the subject off the top of my head, but there's a lot of excellent courses out there. Um, there's plenty of newsletters and other resources that you can brush up on. I still am subscribed to, I think it's JavaScript Weekly and React Weekly. I've been writing React for since it was released, I think in 2015 or 16, I can't remember which. Um, so just staying on top of those can be really important too to understand the, tr the changing landscape of especially front-end technologies. And let's be real, JavaScript is changing on the day-to-day -day or week-to-week. -week. It's so annoying. So I think it's really important to have uh, those resources as well to stay on top of things. Yeah. I, I've never thought about flashcards for for some of these things. So that's, that's really an interesting point. I feel like that's something that I could benefit from a lot, especially when it's things where I'm like, oh, I think I understand this idea, but I don't necessarily know how to talk about it well. And it's like, oh, this is, that's what someone's going to ask me though, right? Is to actually talk about this in a, a deeper way. So that's interesting. Uh, exactly. Cool. Well, that, that's very helpful. Um, anything else to, to add or anything else folks should keep in mind when they're, they're interviewing or prepping for interview? I know they asked, asked some version of this already, but um, anything else you want to mention before we, we wrap up here? Yeah, absolutely. I would say don't just focus on algorithms and whiteboard questions, right? The whole purpose of the interview that I just gave was to see if we should move on to the next step to get into those deeper questions. But we would never let a candidate through if they weren't able to have that base fundamental knowledge. So, you know, we we mentioned this before, but what we do on the day-to-day -day as developers and what we do in interviews are very, very, very different. When was the last time you had to go write a quick sort algorithm for your job? I mean, we don't do that. If we need to do that, we'll use, if you're on the front end, some sort of node or NPM package that has a much more robust tested and community supported version than you'll ever be able to do. So 
start with the fundamentals, make sure they're down and then just practice, make sure you're dedicating time. I don't have a formula. I'm sure that other much smarter people than I have come up with better ways to do this, but you got to put in the hours, put in the time, make sure you're able to get those knowledge questions, practice on algorithms, have your friends grill you, do the visualization work and really also research the company that you want to work for. Time and time again, I've been impressed by engineers that have come to me and interviewed with me that have been able to tell me about my company, about our goals and initiatives, about things that they like, about what we're doing. Maybe they're, you know, say you decide to go work for Slalom Consulting. By the way, I highly recommend them. They're an absolutely wonderful company. But you go and you look at recent case studies that they've done for, I don't know, Chicago company like John Deere or something. And you're like, hey, I really like the work that you guys did with Deere with X, Y, and Z. And that's something that, you know, I would love to learn more about. I know that you guys use this technology in AWS that was able to further their business initiatives in this way. That's something that I'm really curious in, in, in learning. I think this could be a great fit for me to further my career in that direction. So I guess just wrapping it up, you know, be prepared. <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh, well, well, Tyson, it's been a blast. Um, can you please plug AutoCloud? I'm sure you're hiring. It sounds like big, big funding news. Um, uh, give, give people the, the one-liner. Where should they find you? Um, and what should they uh, be looking out for from AutoCloud? Absolutely. You can email me personally at Tyson at autocloud.dev. And as a quick reminder, AutoCloud is essentially a data aggregation platform for your multi-cloud or multi-environment data. We pull in all of your data. You can query it with a GraphQL API, get instant insights and security compliance governance, spend soon even IAM access, and then visualize that data to get instant reports and other useful operational data. Um, we have an amazing tech stack, Terraform, AWS, dgraph typescript prisma reacts apollo clients and various other cool things we're an elite team of senior engineers we're a total of 16 people 13 of those are all engineers so if you're looking for a place to come build the forefronts of cloud and really dive deep into platform aspects of devops then autocloud's a great place to be and now you know what the interview will look like so and there you exactly. go. <laughs> now, you, now you can just, just make sure you know your stuff. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, thanks so much, Jason. It's been my pleasure. Have a great day, Taylor. I'll see you. You too. Thank you for watching the technical interview portion of the Professional Technical Interviewee. If you want to tackle this interview question, you can find it at github.com slash professional technical interviewee. New episodes are released on the first four Thursdays of each month. Find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. And remember, keep practicing.